Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 278. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Nice. Good to hear. Yeah. We're going to be getting back to the standard format this week after all the glorious list episodes with two reviews lined up for you. We got Proud Mary and The Strange Ones. We're also going to be going over some of what we're watching on the watch list and covering this week's new releases in theaters on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can send questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. We love hearing your feedback. Let's go ahead and jump into our first review. I think we could do Proud Mary to start. All right. Since that, so that's the newest one that's in theaters right now. So this is uh, directed by Babak Najafi. I have a synopsis here. Mary is a hit woman working for an organized crime family in Boston. Mary's life is completely turned around when she meets a young boy whose path she crosses when a professional hit goes awry. The stars Taraji P. Henson as the aforementioned Proud Mary. I think I'll start this one off. Uh, Go for it. I'm a huge fan of black exploitation films. Big fan. Love them. Uh, and through all the marketing and trailers and whatnot for this, I was like thinking to myself, oh, this is cool. It's going to be kind of, you know, a, a, an homage to the '70s era black exploitation films, I'm 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 into that. Should be a fun time. So I kind of went into it uh, with I wouldn't say high hopes, but I was I was kind of I was kind of into the idea. Yeah, yeah, and, and I like Tarashi P Henson also. So I was I was kind of uh, into the idea of her being in a starring role and. You know, uh, had decent decent expectations for this one. Oh my god, was I was I disappointed? <laughs> oh my god, I was thinking to myself, what am I going to say about this movie? Because I want to start with the positives. What am I going to yeah. say? And I'm like, nope. I I got honestly, I wanted to walk out of the theater. But I was like, I'm reviewing it. I got to stay. I got to stay for this thing. I got to stick it out. I'm going to stick it out. And I did. I stuck it out. I almost fell asleep one time. Uh, There's about 10 people in my theater, and it seemed like every single one of them just didn't want to be there. They were just like, like one dude just kept checking his phone. There were like two two uh, women behind me uh, towards the back that were like kind of, they were just having conversations with each other. Like the movie was just happening and they were just in their own, doing their own thing back there. They're having like a meeting back there, just waiting for this to be over. They're just catching up. I had jury duty. I had jury duty recently. And I was thinking to myself, uh, maybe I'd rather be back in jury duty than have to be here for this. Uh, I hated this movie. I absolutely hated it. I thought I, there was there were like no there were no redeeming qualities for me in this movie. Yeah, I I will for the most part agree that the, the redeeming qualities are really thin. I mean, they are 
they're almost non-existent. And free, like you said, I didn't really, I actually kind of forgot that this had this whole like black exploitation angle to it. Completely forgot about it until I sit down for the movie and it's going through the opening credits. But that's right? it. That's where it ends yeah. though, right? Yeah, that, that, that's, it does. It ends right there. But that was enough for like the opening credits hit. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This might be like, this is going to be kind of like a throwback type deal. Okay. And then like all of a sudden I got this like a little tiny burst of excitement. Like, oh, I forgot what Proud Mary was going to be. And, but you're right. It's done. As soon as the opening credits are done, it is not, it's not a throwback in any way whatsoever. It's not black exploitation. It's not, it's not really, it's barely even an action movie. Like the action's really thin. Yeah. There's not a whole lot going on. The choreography to the action is, oh, I mean, it's like, borderline just a horde i mean (laughs) it's base level it's just really kind of base base level action movie stuff there's there's when i was thinking about positives there's one scene uh at the very end when they play the song yeah and i was like oh okay all right we're getting some a little bit of life injected back into this thing but even that, it was like, all right, this is just it, too little too late at this point. Well, and not only is it too little too late, again, that action sequence was pretty short mm-hmm. and just did not have a whole lot going for it choreography-wise. I mean, it was, like you said, it's pretty basic. You know, it's just kind of like her taking people out with a handgun. There's barely any hand-to-hand stuff. I mean, there's just... And, you know, that she's driving the Maserati and, and that song kicks on. You're like, okay, here we go. This is... All right. If we're building up to, like, one, like, spectacular set piece, like, that will at least redeem yeah. this movie somewhat. Like, yeah. this is it, okay? You know it? Because the Proud Mary song comes on and you're like, okay, this is what they're building towards this entire time mm-hmm. like they can they can get some back they can get some goodwill back but and then it's like over and you're just like that that's it that's your it's like your grand finale set piece yep and that was it that was all she wrote it was everything was so poorly executed the music was absolutely dreadful like the, the such mm-hmm. basic generic boring music beats i mean this it was just such a horrible score the editing what were they thinking some of the worst editing i've seen in quite a while it i thought that the editing was absolutely atrocious like some of the some of the shots and cuts i was just like what is happening here in this movie what is going on here and then like yeah, you have like danny glover is the bad guy and I don't know what was going on. It seemed like half his lines were eighty yard. Like it, it yes. Like his I'm voice, sure. his voice was sure. not matching his mouth at all. And I'm just no. like, what, what's going on with that? And that was weird because that actually became like my area of focus. Like anytime Danny Clover would show up, because there was this like one chunk of him delivering lines where 
you could just outright tell that it is not lining up with his mouth yeah. at all. And you're just like, wait a second. But it's not constant. There were no. some times where it, it was matching up. and other yeah. So anytime that he would come on screen, I'm just like, okay, here we go. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I did, too. I did the exact same thing. It was- <laughs> like, I leaned forward in my chair, put my hand on my chin, like, okay, let's see if I can suss this out. Yep, I did the exact same thing. It's just, I mean, and it's just a, such a monumental failure for Taraja P. Henson because mm-hmm. she is great. She is a great actress. And this movie just really gives her nothing to do. Yeah, the the script was so, so poor. Uh, all the dialogue was, I thought, very very atrocious like i like it's one of those movies where you can just predict the next line that is that is spoken and that's i think like one of the worst things about this movie is i mean from the outset i mean even from the trailer you're pretty much like okay i i'm pretty sure i can map this movie out you know i'm i'm pretty sure that i can just map out what's going to happen plot wise like it seems fairly predictable, and within like the first couple minutes, you're like, okay, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's going to be correct, but you're holding out this hope that like, okay, there, there's at least going to be some sort of style to all this, or at least you know Henson's character is going to have like this attitude and this swagger to her that's just going to like, kind of you know compensate for its predictableness, you know, right, but. That doesn't happen. You don't get any of that. Yeah, I think I think you can have a predictable movie. There's, you know, I, I love horror movies, and a lot of horror movies are predictable, and they follow the same beats. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with having a, no. a, a movie that that follows a, a you know a, a a path that is well known. But the thing is, you got to do it with some style you got to make it interesting you got to bring something to the table and this movie is just by the numbers utterly forgettable in every way like every every aspect of this movie is done so poorly that it it brings nothing to the table and you're just like oh my god and it's so boring too like you go into it thinking well well maybe at least there'll be some some fun stylish action scenes and you know this this uh this Mary character. She's kind of a badass, and Taraji P Henson is a badass, and it's like so maybe she'll have some you know funny one liners or something, or she'll do some really cool shit. But none of that happens. It's just this really boring story about her taking care of this kid, and it's just like well, what? That, well, well, that's the weird thing too is that you set this up as like. You know, the, the marketing for this film is, you know, Taraji P. Henson is this badass assassin, professional hit woman. And you're like, okay, yeah, she she can totally pull that off. But then you get into the movie and it's like, no, we were just kidding. She actually wants to be a mom. And you're like, what the, f- what? This is about her just wanting to get out of it and be a mom? Yep. Like, that is not, <laughs> that is not how you market this movie at all. Yeah, there's there's so little action. I mean, really, the bulk of the movie is her just 
taking care of this kid and you're just like come on and the kid's a little shit too and it's like i don't care about this kid well and the the thing that sucks too is you don't you know you have this dearth of action which is bad enough already because that's how you fucking marketed the thing so you have that and then you have these like little you know because most of it is her like taking care of this kid right and then there's like these little moments of them just kind of like hanging out and just kind of being breezy and carefree and like joking around. And you're like, okay, they have, they have good chemistry and they're kind of funny together, but like they don't even do that that often. It's more so of like just them arguing of like, don't touch my stuff. Yeah, and but then it, he touches the stuff and yeah. she's like, I told you not to touch my stuff. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like, like okay. it's okay, just... he doesn't listen. Like there, there's certain scenes that are played for, I guess, comedic effect, but they're not funny at all. And then some scenes are just so overly sentimental, like the hot dog scene. And it's like, why are we spending so much time with them getting hot dogs? I don't care. Just get whatever you want on the hot dog. Let's keep moving. Like, what's the big deal? Come on. He wants ketchup. Just let him get ketchup on it. Don't give him shit about it. When the other thing that... I mean, this was something that kind of had me super excited going in was the runtime. I was like, okay, couple that with the fact that it looks like it's going to be predictable, right? And you're thinking, okay, it's going to have this style to it. And then you see the runtime of an hour and 29 minutes and you're thinking, okay, great. This is what they're going to do. They know that it's predictable and it's formulaic and they're going to follow this well-worn path, but it's going to be high style gonna have Taraji P. Henson be a badass you know she's gonna have this swagger to her and then we're just gonna get in and get out and in the beginning you're kind of thinking that that's what they're doing because they, they kind of just jump straight into it with the hit goes wrong and then immediately like she comes across the kid and like all hell breaks loose and you're like okay here we, they're just gonna get straight into it and just let's do this we're not gonna dick around but then with an hour and 29-minute runtime, they still find time to dick around. And it doesn't feel like an hour and 29 minutes. It feels much longer. Yeah, it really... Like I said, I almost fell asleep at one point because it's it really drags there in the second act. It's just like nothing's going on. And it's like, oh, they're trying to figure out who murdered this guy, who killed this guy. And it's like, I don't care. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what his connection is to any of these people. And then they're like talking about uh, this, this uh, what's his name? Walter. And, and they're, 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 they're like, like two seconds. They're like, Walter, let's uh, you know, Walter probably did it. You know, he had a, he had a grudge and all this stuff. And Walter was played by Neil McDonough, who I, I like. I like him. But it was like who's Walter? Like in, in the last scene, this Walter guy, I didn't know that they were one and the same because they never established that, that Neil McDonough was Walter. And I'm like, well, who is he? Is he affiliated with, with Danny Glover's family? Is he on his own? Like what, what is his association here? Why do we care? And they made it such a big deal about this fucking Walter guy and Taraji P. Henson pinning the murder on him. And it was like, which, oh my god, why? What, what? Which is odd because then he does like he pops out because he's going on his jog, right? And you're like, oh okay, that's Walter. 
Like, yeah, I didn't know. Back, yeah, I didn't know that they then, were one and the same. When then you think back to the only scene that you see this guy in for like two seconds, and he's he must be high up. Yeah, he's like in their inner circle. They're they're having like the private meeting with all the main people, and he's there. And I'm like, well, that's Walter. Why was he privy to that? really important private meeting about this murder. I mean, and then, and then they get rid of Walter and like, no one knows or care. Yeah. But that was the funny thing. Like she was like, okay, well, we'll, we'll they'll, they'll pin it on Walter and then everything will be no- normal again. But it was like the other, the other f- crime family or whatever. They were like, well, let's just kill every one of them. Anyway, it's like, so none of that, None of that mattered at all. But then she still kills Walter. <laughs> and it like no one knows. Like she doesn't well, inform yeah, anyone. It, like, it, yeah, it's that done. Was, I took care of it. That was the funny thing. There was no coordination whatsoever. Cause Billy Brown's character of Tom was like calling her. He had no idea that she was going to kill him. And it's like, isn't that something that should have been planned out? And I mean it, I think she said that she was going to go kill him and she's going to take yeah. care of him. So wh- shouldn't he know that that's where she is? <laughs> like You would think. You uh. would think. And then the other thing I didn't get is towards the end where <clears throat> you have the, the lone Boston white guy unloading trucks at Danny Glover's facility, his criminal enterprise. And you think back to the original of him having his interaction with Danny, and you're like, why are these two competing drug? Why are they using the same guy? <laughs> why are, why the- are they interact? Why are they buying drugs off of each other? Yeah, like this this guy apparently works for both crime families, <laughs> unless they both have warehouses <laughs> right next to each other. He's, yeah, he's just like a mercenary who would unload trucks. But that was the other thing is like they there was this whole like uh the the, the other family wanted to get Danny Glover's um his his area. They wanted to take over part of his his land or whatever. And so it, it that doesn't make sense. Like if this other guy's working for this other family, why is he working in Danny Glover's area? Yeah, why are they interacting at all? I don't know. It's, I mean, it's None just, of it makes any sense at all. No, and they just, because they didn't care. They just didn't develop it. They're like, oh, well, you know, Taraji P. Henson's going to be a hit woman. That's all we need. We don't need anything else. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you forgot to make Taraji P. Henson like a memorable character. Yeah, her... Her dialogue is just so bland and stiff and well, awful. I mean, the bait just, you failed in that you're like, well, let's just make her a mom. Like, she really wants to be a mom. And it's like, what? What? Yeah. Why? And, 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 and not only that, but it's like, a, it's like an ongoing theme. Like, Billy Brown's character at one point even says as much. Like, you can't be a mom. You don't have what it takes. To be a mom. And it's like, <laughs> what? This is what we're this is what we're focusing on here? 
This is just a movie about whether Taraji P. Henson can be a mom. <laughs> if, or if she if she can be a fit mother. Oh my god. What a disaster. It was just yeah. It was it was not good. Yeah, huge, huge, huge disappointment. I did see uh did you see the trailer for that um I think it was called Break In? Yes. That looks pretty interesting. Yeah, that actually looks pretty good. At any rate, let's go ahead and give Proud Mary a score. I'm going to give it a 1 out of 10. Lordy. Uh, I found no redeeming qualities to this movie whatsoever. Yeah. um, Man, I give it like a 2, 2.5. There you have it. Yeah. It's a bummer. It It is a big bummer. If they only embraced the black exploitation kind of marketing and theme that that was uh, that was projected, <laughs> like the- it is really odd to sink that much into the opening credits. You know what I mean to to give it that feel right from the outset, and then just be completely done with it as soon as the credits are done. It, yeah, it's just I can't think of many modern movies that that are that do pay homage to black exploitation. I mean, obviously, um, uh, Dynamite <clears throat> comes to mind. Uh, which, yeah, which I still haven't seen that. Is that Black Dynamite? Black Dynamite, yeah, sorry. I, I knew I was missing... I was just typing it in because I knew I was missing something in the Black Dynamite, I, which I just rewatched uh, over the holiday break. It was on it was on TV, and man, I, that movie is so good. I, I love that movie. They, they just... They nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. The look, everything. If, if you want to see a great black exploitation homage... Check out Black Dynamite from 2009 because it's it's so good, but it's more of a it's definitely more of a spoof. It's none of it's played straight. It's it's all played yeah. for comedy, but it's it's still really good. All right, let's move on. Talk about our next movie, The Strange Ones. This is directed by Christopher Radcliffe and Lauren Wolkson. Wolkstein. I have a synopsis here. Mysterious events surround two travelers as they make their way across a remote American landscape. On the surface, all seems normal, but what appears to be a simple vacation soon gives way to a dark and complex web of secrets. I would argue that it never appeared to be a simple (laughs) vacation. (laughs) That was going to be my first... Because I didn't... This is the first time that I've seen the synopsis, and that was my first thought. I'm like, on the surface, all seems normal. I've never once, no. for a minute, no. thought, yeah, this is normal. They're having a normal vacation. Everything's great. No, not at all. Kevin, we'll start with you. What'd you think of the strange ones? Uh, this is one that I was actually pretty, I had uh, a decent amount of excitement for. I've been waiting for this one, it seems like, for like two years now. So, finally get a chance to see this. And pretty disappointed. Uh, right off the bat, like I said, on the surface, all seems normal. No, it's like you 
pretty much can tell within the first couple of minutes that this is not normal. And I don't know if it's a matter of the writing or the direction or maybe, you know, a combination of the two, but it seemed like it was making these, it would make these twists or make these reveals that were supposed to like, you know, throw you off your guard and just, but for me, it never worked that way. It was just like them changing the rules. Cause like from the outset, they're, they're like, ah, they're brothers. Right. You kind of make it seem like they're brothers. Yeah. And then they're like, they're not brothers. And you're just like, oh, okay. Okay. You told me they were brothers. So I just assumed they were like, it wasn't, it's not like I was, you know, like what? They're what? Oh my God. It's just like, you're changing the story. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, I thought it was this because he told me it was. Yeah. So it's not, uh, okay, I get it. So now this is the parameters of the story. And then they change again. You're just like, oh, okay. So you changed, okay. So this is the parameters now. Like it never, I never saw it as this like twisty revealing narrative. No, nor did I. It's established fairly early on that this is this is just lies on top of lies. So at that point, once I realized that we're just being lied to constantly, it took sort of the the, yeah. the shock of any twist that, that that occurred because I'm like, oh well, I don't know if that's correct or not. I'm not I'm not shocked at this revelation because I don't even know if it, if that that's the truth. So. It it really had no effect on me. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of like if you if you called me up yesterday and you were like, "I'm in the hospital. I'm super sick. They're not giving me much time." And I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, I like packed <laughs> up my stuff. I bought a train ticket. I go to New York and I come to see. It. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" And you just like call me up. And you're like, "No, nah, I was. I don't. I'm not really sick. Ha <laughs> ha. Got you." And it's like. I reacted the right way because I was I was under the impression that you were sick and dying. Like it's not like this funny thing. It's not like you got me. I'm acting as I should. Right. I'm going off of what you're giving me. Why why should I not believe you? Right. And and they just keep doing that over and over and again. It's like, okay, so I figure out what your story is and then like none of this is working for me <laughs> figure figure out what the story is and then come back to us and just <laughs> yeah let's think and it's just like they they do like the flashbacks right which gives you like a little piece each time gives you a little more context and you're just like well i just i'm gonna sit here and believe absolutely nothing until you get to the end which i have a sneaking suspicion that you'll just give me all the info there and then I'll have the straight answer. And of course that's what they do, you know, bit by bit. And it's like, okay, well there's obviously more to the story. I'll just wait. So essentially you're just waiting till the end to figure out for them to give you all the info. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But even that journey up until the end is not really that memorable. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, there's like the, I thought the music did a decent job of creating this like 
disquiet, you know, this like discomforting atmosphere. Although I don't think anything else really lived up to that, you know, the atmosphere that it was setting. And I thought the performances were okay. They were pretty good. I wasn't a big but, fan. And then that's that's it. I'm kind of coming up empty-handed after that. Yeah, I thought I thought Alex Pettifer was fine, considering he hasn't really had any kind of meaty roles up until this point. At least I don't think so. Uh, but the James Friedson Jackson, a lot of people uh, are praising his performance. I didn't think it was that good. I thought it was all right. I mean, he was creepy. Yeah. Which is kind of like right off the bat. You're like, okay, well. I knew right off the, to me, a lot of it, a lot of it was just kind of telegraphed. Like I knew that this kid was messed up. Like I knew that there was yeah. something not right about this kid. Well, yeah. Cause he doesn't act he never, like a normal human being. He never seemed like a victim to me. No, exactly. That's what I mean. You're just like, they're setting up this, you know, this atmosphere of discomfort and, you know, something bad's going to happen. And then, you know, there's a reveal and it's like, I knew this all along, or at least I had like a suspicion of it. Yeah. Shout outs to Gene Jones in there. It's happy to see him. Yeah. He pops up for a little bit. Like commune or something. Is that what that was? Yeah, it was, was it a commune? It was, it was some sort of like, it seemed like some sort of camp for kids. I don't know in what way. I don't know if that was like a summer camp type deal. I, I, I thought it was going to be a cult at first. And I thought they were going to, they were going <laughs> to like flip the script on <laughs> us again and have the kid join a cult. Yeah. And I think that that's uh, kind of because it's Gene Jones. Yeah, because uh, I thought kind of the same thing. I'm like, oh fuck, we're going down the call path again. The the Ty West one what was that called the Sacrament? Was that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gene Jones is he's kind of born to play a yeah, cult yeah. Leader. He just he has that vibe. And as soon as she he shows up, you're just like, oh shit, this is a cult. Okay. Yeah, it looked like a cult too. I did. All those cults kind of have that kind of hippie commune vibe to them. Sharing that workload. Yep. Yep. Yeah. For me, this one pretty pretty much fell flat. I just i I didn't hate it. I but it was not really anything. Yeah, I not mean, really anything memorable those, for me. This is one of those like straight down the line type deals. Yeah. Uh, there, could, uh, there, there was one shot that I thought was absolutely atrocious, and that was the uh, when. Can, when I, can, can I guess? Y- yeah, go ahead. Because I know what it is. The car. No, I wasn't talking about someone. That. That was someone crossing the street. Th- that was, yeah, that was bad. Because <laughs> to me, that was just like. Because what follows it, you're just like, was that necessary like what was the point of that i think that was uh, i think it was played for like a jump scare <laughs> it was, i think it was I think it was supposed to be like a jump scare uh no i wasn't referring to that although that that's a bad scene there's a scene where it's a a tracking shot that's following the kid as he's running and it's done in handheld 
Oh yeah, and, and it, it just it, like, it, turns to nothing. It turns to the shakiest of shaky cams I think I've ever seen. Like you can't even. I mean, people that get motion sick. Holy crap! I, I, I'm sorry for you if you have to witness that. Holy shit! Yeah, that does turn into just like a blur. Yeah, it is like so green. intense. Oh man, just a U-shaped blur of nature. <laughs> A kaleidoscope of trees. <laughs> yeah, it is just two, two disappointments. A double feature of disappointments. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's January. What do you expect? Yeah. All right, let's give the strange ones a score. What are you going to give it? I give it like a five. I'm going to sit at a... Uh, uh, I'm at like a four on this one. All right. A little bit below average mm-hmm. for me. All right, let's move on and talk about something we've been watching. Since we've been doing lists and stuff, we haven't done a watch list in a while. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about everything I saw, but I'll I'll talk about a few things here. I saw Happy Death Day. Okay. I was. Is this good? Because I. I didn't. No, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Oh. It had some. Oh. It had some clever stuff in it. I thought that the the uh, the protagonist was really good. Jessica Roth, I think her name is. She was great. Uh, I I liked her a lot in it. Um, you know, it ha- it has some some clever moments, and th- there's some interesting things that happen. If you're not familiar, this is the uh, the horror movie that came out earlier in 2017. That it's it's Groundhog Day basically, but every every day she gets she gets murdered and she wakes up and it's the same day. They throw in a couple interesting twists. Um, one one of the interesting things, and this is not I don't really think that this is a spoiler, but every day that she wakes up, she has the effects of what happened to her the day before. So, for instance, if she gets stabbed to death, she'll wake up and she'll still be alive, but she has, like, scar tissue inside of her body from the previous murder. Okay. So, every day she wakes up, she's, like, feeling a little bit more kind of ill, and eventually she passes out and they do, like, x-rays and stuff, and they were like, we don't even know how you're alive. Like, you look like you've had severe trauma to like your whole body. So she's kind of, she's on like a timeline basically. Cause every day she wakes up after she gets murdered, she's a little bit like her body is a little bit worse. It's a little bit weaker. And so she has to figure this out as quickly as possible or else it's going to be game over. Like her body's just going to not, it's just going to give out. So I thought that, that was kind of an interesting little twist on it. So she couldn't <laughs> just be perpetually doing this thing over and over again until she figured it out. She has to do it pretty quickly. So that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, I, I thought because it had the PG-13 rating, that kind of brought it down. Because um, all of the death scenes are pretty pretty generic for the most part. Okay. I don't know. It's it's okay. It's just this is like a steady stream of disappointment. I, I didn't hate. I was it. actually like starting to. 
I was starting to levitate towards that one a little bit. Because I kept seeing good things, good things. And I'm like, oh, man, that might be the one. A lot of people like this one a lot. So, I mean, you, it, it, it might work. It, it might work better for you. Um, I know my wife really liked it. Okay. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe give it a look. Happy Death Day. Uh, I did I did get to catch a, a, a 10 out of 10 or Uh-oh. For me, uh, I got that. I got myself that film struck. Oh yeah, got myself a subscription to the film struck, and uh, it was like a Christmas present to myself, right? And I got it, and then we were kind of caught up in the whole um, catch up 2017 catch up, trying to like cram these titles in for like list making purposes and everything. So I completely forgot that I got myself film struck for like three weeks almost. So I've been kind of uh, going crazy with it. And I checked out 1955's uh, Lola Montez from Max Ophuls. And <clears throat> this is, it's like a recounting of Lola Montez's life where it starts out, she's in uh, a circus. They bring her out and they've created this huge production around her life. She had all these lovers. And super important people too, you know, really influential people, powerful people, men. And uh, so they like wheel her out. She has all these costumes and they have all this production design and pageantry for it. And it's just, it's incredible because for the whole movie, <clears throat> the, the through line is this circus performance and it is a legit full on circus performance and the way in which he films it and just the staging of it, the choreography of it is just incredible. And as it's happening, <clears throat> they, like, they interact with the audience and stuff. So when something comes up, it kind of, they'll do this, you know, dissolve and just as a flashback, go back into her life and you get to see. So during the, the, uh, the circus performance of it, it has this, um, this like obsession with celebrity and just how people are so fixated and want to know everything. They just want to know all the, the nasty details of her scandalous life and all this stuff. And when you go in the flashback, you see that it's not that at all. Like, okay, yes, for that time frame, people saw it as a scandal and everything, but she was just, she fell in love with people. She had relationships with them and then they ended. And then she moved on to someone else. Like it wasn't that big of a deal. But here, you know, in the present, in the circus performance, you see this just how everyone is so fucking obsessed with it. <clears throat> and just like the color and the staging of it and everything is just, it is unbelievable. I want, this is one of those things that <clears throat> as I'm seeing it, you know, on my shitty little computer streaming it off a of film struck, I'm like, man. I have to at some point see this movie in the theater. Like this is a theater movie. It is just incredible. I'll keep an eye out for uh, a repertory screening of it here. I mean, it's so it's so extravagant, which you don't get to you know use that often nowadays. Extravagant. What about movie. The, the the greatest the greatest showman or whatever that movie's called? I haven't seen it. Um, if it is, I will, I will, uh, you know, I won't hesitate to throw out the word extravagant. If it is, if I find it to be, 
but I'm also never going to see it. <laughs> Nor am I. Nor <laughs> am I, sir. Uh, all right. I saw The Road Movie. This is directed by Dmitry Kalishnikov. Okay. All right. This is the if you if you haven't heard about this it's a it's a documentary that is comprised completely of Russian dash cam videos. So if uh, if you haven't seen any of these videos, basically in in Russia, the dashboard mounted camera is it's a craze over there. Pretty much everybody who is driving on the road has a dash cam mounted in their car. Uh, I learned because the Russian traffic police are very corrupt and they will pull people over, give people tickets, uh, get people's licenses revoked for no, for no reason. They'll just, they'll make up things. So in order to combat that, a lot of people have started purchasing these dashboard cameras, placing them in their, in their vehicles. And also, apparently, there's a lot of scammers in Russia that will fake accidents in order to get insurance money from other people. So it, it, I guess it was a pretty big problem. And now pretty much everybody has a dashboard camera in Russia. And as you might expect, you know, Russia is a big country. There's a lot of people there. And with that many cameras, there's bound to be some crazy shit caught on camera. And this movie is just a nonstop compilation of that kind of crazy shit. So it has a lot of what you would expect. So there's a ton of accidents that are caught on camera, like tons of accidents, horrific accidents, um, trucks blowing up and really really crazy stuff but then there's sprinkled in with with these like accident montages there's some really really bizarre occurrences and it's those kind of bizarre occurrences that make this this movie worth checking out uh like like there's there's one where they catch a a, a comet in the sky i guess it's a meteor if it's crashing to earth right so it's like a meteor crashing to earth and they catch it on camera and it just, it's so crazy looking because it just lights up everywhere. Like it, it's like this blinding light and that's really wild to see. Uh, there's another sequence where a couple are driving through a forest fire and it's one of the craziest things I think I've ever seen. It just, it looks like they are literally in hell. And I mean, it's just fire everywhere. And they're like talking because with, with a lot of these kind of one of the most entertaining things about this is that, you know, these cameras capture audio, too. So you can hear the, the drivers and the passengers sort of commentating on what's happening. And a lot of them are really funny. And so... That's that's definitely one other thing. I mean, it's hard to say that this is even a real movie because it is literally just clips pulled from the internet. I was gonna say it just seems like because <clears throat> every so often clips viral, and the, you know it pops up in my fucking Facebook feed like you got truth is you. So it seems like people just someone just took all those and strung them together. 
sort of. Uh, it's <laughs> it's definitely there's there's definitely more curation than what you would get if you just like went to YouTube and typed in Russian dash cam video. You know, like there, yeah. there, there is a little bit of a, a, a theme to how they order them. So like, there'll be like a montage and, and they'll play some music. Like there's, they, they sprinkle in music every now and then. So they'll do like a montage of like crazy car accidents and they'll set that to music. And then they'll do like a longer sequence where something really crazy will happen and then they'll do like maybe another kind of sh- shorter set of clips. So there's a little bit of curation in there, but uh, by and large, it's just the clips, like just, just the clips. There's no like narration. There's no, I mean, they don't even have like title cards. There's no text on the screen. It's just, just straight up clips. And at the end of the movie in the credits, they just list the title of the, uh, the clip. <laughs> And how many views it got online. Oh, my God. So they have the view count. And I think that the the whole thing is probably just a statement on, you know, how people are sort of drawn to to these things, these kind of disasters yeah. and car accidents and things like that. It's like it's like in our nature to to sort of seek out that that thing. You know, that's why you have all the, the rubbernecking when you pass by an accident yeah. and stuff like that. I think it's a statement on that. And I think it's also sort of uh, designed as like a reflection on modern Russia and where we're at uh, in there, there. There's one really funny scene where this guy's in a car wash and a tank rolls into the car wash. And he's just like, how are they going to get that tank in there? He's like, oh, no, they're coming outside. And like the, the car wash employees come outside with like a hose and they start washing the tank in the parking lot. And you're just like, all right, yep, okay, that's. That's just, uh, I guess that's just what happens in Russia. It's worth, it's worth seeing. It's definitely one of these kind of shock value movies. It's worth seeing just for the, some of the truly shocking moments that, that are in it. And I will say, like, I was worried, a little bit worried going into it. I, I was excited to see it, but I was concerned that there was going to be like some really kind of horrific things. Uh, I, I was I didn't want to see people die. Like, I, I don't want to see yeah. that. I don't want to see dead bodies. I don't want to see stuff like that. And I will say that there, you don't see any of that in this. Like there's no, I mean, some of the accidents that you see, you think like, there's no way that person is walking away <laughs> from that, but it's not like you don't see corpses or anything like that. So, <laughs> That's good to know. Corpse free. Yes, it is a corpse free movie. It's more than anything. You just see some really wild stuff. I mean, you see some people get into fights and stuff. There's also one scene um, that involves a police shootout, but it's like in the middle of a traffic jam. And that one is particularly crazy, but it's it's worth checking out. I have a review up on the site now for that. It comes out on Friday, so it's called The Road Movie. Uh, I watched Gattaca. <laughs> okay. My first Gattaca. my first question is why did you watch Gattaca? <laughs> um so uh recently my wife got huge into sci-fi. She's like she's just binging sci-fi right now. So she was like, let's check out Gattaca. 
And I'm like, well, I haven't seen Gattaca. I'll check it out. I'll watch some Gattaca. And uh, so I did that. I watched it. And uh, I did not like it <laughs> at Big all. surprise. <laughs> I could have told you that before going into it. It's so dreary and lifeless. And like it has this interesting premise. Like the, like the base of it is interesting. But what they decide to do with it is like the least interesting take that you could have on this premise whatsoever. And they're like, yeah, let's make a movie out of that. And we'll have Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman play people with no personalities. And so it essentially just boils down to like, are they going to find out that he's not a valid, you know, he wasn't made, you know, genetically altered? Which, again, is just the most uninteresting basic take that you could have on this premise. I mean, you have right there sitting is a much, to me, a far more interesting aspect of the story is Jude Law's character that his life is over somehow because he's in a wheelchair. Like, he still has all the genetic, he just doesn't have the physical capabilities. Like, he can't run like he used to. And he can't, he's not an Olympic swimmer anymore. But he still has the intelligence and everything. Like, in this society, there's no jobs for him to just keep going. Like, I I don't understand the whole barbed ladder situation where, you know, he essentially just becomes a, a manufacturer of piss and blood for Ethan Hall. Yeah. And the whole movie is just that, like, because, it, and they throw in this murder mystery, which just comes out of nowhere, and no one even fucking cares about the murder. It, it's just used an excuse to, like, are they going to find Ethan out or not? And there's really no tension there either, because you're like, well, then maybe they do, maybe they don't. And they just keep making mistakes after mistakes because they're like, let's pull everyone in and draw blood. And it's like, you guys have established that you have this amazing technology that you can just take someone's hair right there on the spot with the machine within like five seconds, get everything that you need to know about them. Why are you going to draw blood? Just pick a piece of hair off their head. You can be done in record time. But no, they don't do that because of course he can't. There's no. So obviously they can't do it. Yeah, I think you're taking too too deep of a dive into <laughs> the logic behind Gattaca. Well, what I love about Gattaca the most, though, is that his brother shows up at the end for whatever reason. It just turns out to be the one cop, and he, you're just like, "Oh shit, the brothers!" And they throughout this, they have this game of like these two brothers swim way out into the ocean. And whoever turns around and swims back is the loser. So Ethan Hawke has lost his entire life, day after day, because his brother is, is a genetically manufactured being. And he's a, I forget what they call him, like a god birth or whatever. He's just a regular human being and he sucks. He has a heart problem. So he loses all the time. Except one time he beat his brother. And that's when he decided to just run away. And then he gets into everything where he is now. So, of course, they meet up years later, and they're like, let's fucking do it one last time. Game of swim chicken. So they go down to the ocean. They literally just cut to the we're fucking doing. So they start swimming out, and his brother's like, to Ethan Hawke, he's like, how do you do it? How do you do it? 
And Ethan talks like, I never saved anything for the swim back. And I'm thinking, yes, you fucking did. Like, <laughs> you have a lifetime of losing. Like, you took L after L for like 20 years. You lost probably like 60, 70 times in a row to obviously save something for the swim back or died in the ocean. You won one time. You can't say that you didn't save anything for the swim back. It's just, and it all boils down to that. It was like, Ethan Hawke just worked really hard. It's just so stupid. Yeah, I remember really hating that movie. Unless you died the first time that you played that game. Yes, you did save something for this one back, obviously. You know, you should check Fuck out, uh, you should watch Strange Days by Catherine Bigelow. I do want to see that. That's on the list as well. That's that's definitely <laughs> an interesting... I feel I'm going to be watching a lot of old movies and a lot of sci-fi this year. Just a heads up. Cool. That's. I think Strange Days has a really long runtime, if I remember correctly. Let me see. Yeah, it's got a two hour and 25 minute runtime. Lord have mercy. It's awesome, though. I, I feel like that's a really underrated sci fi movie. Uh, I've been diving into the Death Wish series. I need to know you have, yes. So uh, I watched one through four. I started five, which is the last one, but I did not finish it yet. Having a pretty good time with it. It's not the best series out there. Frankly, I don't really know how it took off. Like, the first one came out in 1974. Uh, it, It was sort of Charles Bronson's big break. I mean, he was in a lot of movies prior to that. You know, he was in The Dirty Dozen and Magnificent Seven. But he never really... I don't think he had any really big starring roles. Uh, so this is this is the one that really kind of propelled him into into the the legend that we know today, and you know it's just about a guy. It's your your kind of typical revenge story. It's this guy who he's an architect, and his uh, his wife is murdered, and his daughter is is raped, and has severe psychological trauma that that sort of renders her. Um, mute and really incapable of of doing anything. They actually have to commit her, and he decides that he's he's tired of the crime. He's tired of this the crime in New York City. It's it's just plagued, and he decides that uh, he's ready to just take take these guys out. So he just starts going around killing muggers, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's decent. Um. The, the the first ones it's okay the interesting thing about the first two death wish movies is the amount of time that it spends with charles bronson doing his job as an architect like <laughs> the, so much time is dedicated to him meeting with clients sh- doing there's there's an entire scene in the first death wish where he's just doing a land survey with this other guy. And it's like a whole montage scene of them going around, taking pictures, setting up that tripod thing, just doing a land survey and then showing people designs and plans. 
espousing the benefits of using concrete over other materials in their building, uh, in their buildings, give, giving them like spec, like layouts and, and showing them drawings. <laughs> it's, there's so much, uh, architecture in this movie, <laughs> like planning, planning things out, building design and, and layout land layout and all this stuff uh it is it's hilarious it's absolutely hilarious um, so what sprinkled in is just him occasionally killing yeah someone yeah just... like he like there'll be one scene of him at work meeting with clients making deals working out big big plans and then like the, and then he goes home and goes out at night and kills a couple muggers and then next day back back at it Really pushing concrete over other other materials because it's cheaper and more durable. <laughs> uh, this sounds really interesting. It's so weird. Uh, then Death Wish Two, pretty much uh, very similar, except in this one he goes to L.A. So the first one he's he's in New York. Second one he goes to L.A. This time his daughter gets killed, so so he goes after a bunch of uh, does the same thing in L.A. Basically, then in the third one, now this is where it starts to get interesting because Cannon took over, and once Cannon took over, it got really crazy. Uh, it, it it got way more violent the death count went way up and shit just got so ridiculous by the third one um and then in the in the third one his girlfriend gets killed and he's back in new york mm. and his best friend also gets killed in this one jesus mm. This poor guy. This, this one just this one sort of takes a, a Rambo approach where he just mows down people left and right. He has like this giant machine gun. It's like M six. No, it's not an M sixty, but it's it's this giant like mounted machine gun that he carries around and just <laughs> blasts people left and right. Uh, which this one I thought I had the most fun with. Interestingly, in each of these, there's sort of like a, a one thug who will go on to be somebody famous. So in the first one, you have Jeff Goldblum. In the second one, you have uh, Lawrence Fishburne. In the third one, you had Alex Winter. And then in the fourth one, Death Wish 4 Crackdown, you had Danny Trejo. And in this one, he goes back to L.A. So okay. New York to L.A. to New York to L.A. And in this one, he takes on the mob. And uh, this one, the his new girlfriend's daughter gets killed, and her boyfriend also gets killed later on because there's uh, there's drug dealers going around, and his girlfriend's daughter got a hold of some bad coke, got mm. some bad cocaine. Mm. I think it was cocaine. Part four is when it sort of drops off for me. This one was not that interesting it was just it was it was okay there was kind of this like twist where basically he he gets hired by this guy who he thinks owns the newspaper company that his girlfriend works at and this guy's like yeah my daughter was killed 
buy drugs and like I know who you are, you're the vigilante. And that's that's the other interesting thing. Like everybody knows who he is in this, and everybody's just kind of cool with him doing what he does. Uh like in the in the first one, the cops the cops sort of gave him a pass in the first one. And in the second one, the 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 main cop from New York goes to sort of rein him in in LA. They gotta try to keep him keep him on the lowdown because the LA cops are sort of on to him. And the New York cops are like, we don't want them finding out that we sort of sanctioned this. So the mayor sends this detective over to get him. And then in the third one, he basically gets hired by the police to, to take these people out because there's this one section of New York that's completely overrun by gangs. And I guess the cops are like way too scared of the gangs to go in there and stop it. So he gets, so he, he gets hired. Send him in. Yeah. He get the, the police hire him to go in and kill everybody. And then the fourth one, he gets hired by this supposed, uh, newspaper owner who you come to find out is actually uh, a rival uh, mob family trying to clear out this other family. Damn. So pretty, pretty fun series. It's utterly ridiculous, but it's a pretty good time so far. Like I said, I haven't finished part five yet, but so far that one's by far the, the worst one. It's just there's yeah that that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I thought three was sort of the height, the height of the the series. It wasn't like technically the best one, but to me, I had the most fun with it. And part part one was way more kind of subdued. Definitely had a more of like a taxi driver vibe where it wasn't that there wasn't that much violence. Whereas three <laughs> okay. just. Yeah. Three just takes it to cartoon levels. They're just like, fuck it. Yeah. Doing it. So, you know, it's it's uh been been pretty fun to to go through these. I've never seen any of the Death Wish movies before, so it's yeah, been, been a long time coming. Death Wish. I think the new one's gonna be atrocious, but Oh yeah. Of course. That's all I have for this week. Okay. Um I'll quickly mention one more, and that's Jigsaw. Ooh. I'll be doing a Blu-ray review for this one, uh, I think, next week. I like the Saw series. Uh, I don't know if that would be a guilty pleasure or not, but if you if you watch any of the Saw movies, I think that they're all pretty clever uh, in how they, they sort of all connect to each other. Just the crazy, convoluted plot that forms... With those movies, there's eight of them yeah. total. So when the 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 first Saw movie, uh, I loved. I, I still love it. I think that it was. I think that it. I mean, it, it sort of invented a new genre of horror. You know that that's the movie that really kind of spearheaded the whole uh, torture porn movement that we had. Oh, yeah, definitely. Not to say that there weren't movies like that before it, but that's just that movie really popularized that. And for seven years, they they put out every year they put out a new Saw movie, and you know some of them were better than others, but I thought that they were all they all at least had some clever elements to them, and the twists at the end were always fun. 
And this this one, which comes, oh, it's been a while. I think seven years. This they they had a like a seven year break in between. Yeah. In between the the last, I think it was called the last chapter. It was the Saw Seven. Um, so they're, they're, they're sort of trying to redo, re, reboot the brand. Um, and it doesn't really work. The, mm. it's, it's interesting. They try some new things. They get the spirit brothers to direct it. Now, if you're not familiar with what they've done, they've did, uh, predestination with Ethan Hawke, which I liked a lot. It was this kind of sci-fi time travel movie. Yeah. It had some really interesting concepts. They did daybreakers another Ethan Hawke one. There was a vampire movie, which I liked a lot. Um, and they did this movie called Undead, which was uh, this kind of post-apocalyptic zombie movie, Australian zombie movie that was also really interesting. So I, I kind of like their stuff. And they definitely bring a new look to, to, this, to the, the, the franchise. This one looks a lot different than the other Saw movies. The other Saw movies are very kind of grainy, gritty, colorless. They all largely take place in one location. Usually that's like this kind of warehouse or something. Uh, very dark. This one this one definitely looks a lot different. They play with lighting a lot more. A lot of the scenes take place outside. It just looks a lot cleaner than the other Saw movies. So it, it has a different vibe to it, at least visually. But... They also dial back the amount of gore in this one. Now, that isn't to say that there aren't some really gory scenes. And in fact, I would say one of the best things about this movie is the uh, practical effects. They're excellent in this one, uh, especially the prosthetics work. I mean, holy shit. Some of the stuff that you see in this looks so real. But um, <clears throat> for the most part, I just thought it was a, it was kind of boring. Like it was just a little bit of a downer. Uh, the twist wasn't that interesting. The, uh, it was like one of those things where I'm like, ah, okay. You know, like nothing like, whoa, like in the first Saw. But it was uh, it was okay, I guess. I, I don't think that it, it's a franchise killer or anything like that. Um, I could definitely use some more Saw movies. And the, basically what they were doing is they were setting it up for a new series, like a new... Which is... Which would be my question. Do you think that anything could be a franchise killer for this uh, franchise? It just seems like that nothing can kill no, this. No, I don't, I don't think so. Because it's it's a formula that you can just keep doing over and over, and it'll never not mm-hmm. be entertaining. You know, get a group of people, put them in these crazy, intricate Rube Goldberg-style traps, and see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's yeah. such a simple concept, and... It works. It's never not entertaining. So the, the the tricky part is trying to put together a narrative that at least has some semblance of uh, of cohesion. <laughs> I'm, I just I get in. <clears throat> I think I'm gonna get in on jazz when it just goes ape shit. Like maybe like when saw when they move it to space <laughs> i think that's what i'll jump that, in i think that would kill the franchise <laughs> usually when it goes into space that's the end of it uh but, i mean they, they See, go to some really they go to some pretty crazy places in the series but 
But that, I mean, that's where, you know, it'll kill a franchise. But for me, that's when, that's when I'm looking like, oh, okay, I'll finally come over, check that out. I think you should, uh, have you seen any of them? I have not. I think you should. I, th- I should probably do that. Yeah, I, I feel like too. you should at least watch the first one. Uh, but again, like, I, I really like the the large scope of what they do. It's it's pretty impressive to to see. And, I mean, the cool thing is they use the same crew for pretty much the whole series. It's like the same editor from the beginning, same producers, same executive producers. So they have complete control over it. And I think that that's the other reason that that the, the franchise didn't just completely fall apart because they have, they're working with the same people. Um, you know, the directors have changed, but by and large, it's, it's been the same and the writers have changed too, obviously, but by and large, it's the same, a lot of the same creative team behind it. So I think they've been able to keep control over, over it and have it not be completely just, fall apart like you know some 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 horror franchises that we've seen come and go yeah i either way uh it may, if you're a fan of the Saul franchise give it a give it a look just don't expect much don't expect any kind of like big revitalization in the series or anything uh i, I think that some of the later Saul movies were way better than this one i think maybe I think seven. I think I really enjoyed seven. I think I enjoyed the last one. Uh, definitely uh, three was good. They're all, they're all decent. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Take a look at what we got coming out in theaters this week. Got a got a couple here. Twelve strong. The declassified true story of the horse soldiers. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what man? No thanks. Are you kidding me with that title? Twelve strong. Awful. I Tanya and Phantom Thread are going wide. Uh what? Yeah, so give give them a look if you haven't yet. I actually haven't seen Phantom Thread yet, so oh, man. I need to get on that. I figured with you being in New York, you probably saw that like I, I did yeah it came out a long time ago I just haven't had a chance to get out and see it yet got Den of Thieves this looks like a generic action crime movie Maybe it doesn't look very sure good does. I think 50 Cent is in it oh yeah I think maybe it looked it, am I wrong in that am I wrong uh, nope he's in it he's in it 50 Cent Gerard Butler and Pablo Schreiber and O'Shea Jackson Jr. Wow. wow. Okay. A couple generic people in there, a couple good people. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say who uh, who qualifies as each of those. Oh, yeah, I think we can figure that one out. Forever my girl. It's like uh, you know, it's funny that the poster makes this look like a Nic- Nicholas Sparks one, but it's it's not something else. What's what's the title of this? Forever my girl. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah! Oh, that uh, that sure does look like uh, Nicholas Sparks right there. We got Mary and the Witch's Flower. This is a yeah, count yeah Japanese animated film. Got Mom and Dad. 
This is the one with Nicholas. This actually, I, I'm into this. <laughs> this one. actually, I, I am, <laughs> I am big time into this one. Nicholas Cage and Selma Blair star in this pitch black horror comedy about a worldwide mass hysteria where, for 24 brutal hours, par- parents turn violently against their own children. <laughs> this, yeah, this sounds ridiculous. Oh my god, I just. <sighs> If if you're not sure about that one, watch the trailer and just see Nicolas Cage losing his shit and you will you will instantly be sold. I can't wait for that one. <sighs> we have The Leisure Seeker. This is with uh, Helen Mirren and uh uh Donald Sutherland. Mhm. That one not not for me. No. We got the final year. That's a documentary about the final year of Barack Obama's presidency. Got the Midnight Man. Looks like a horror movie. Got the Road movie, as I mentioned before. Mama Africa, the music documentary. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, pretty much it. Looks like there's a faith-based movie called The Revival. Ooh. Is it faith-based? I don't know. It looks like there's two guys that are about to kiss on the front, so maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. No, don't this, know. it's not. I, mean, I guess it. T- I mean, it takes place in a, a, a church situation, but it's definitely not from what I'm reading here. So, I was gonna say the quick thing I could do is see if it's playing in my <laughs> in my area. If it is playing. Then yes, it's a Christian movie. It looks like it's very much not a Christian movie because I think it's about two two like church people that fall in love, and they're both men. Ooh, <laughs> it's gonna shake up the town. What are they gonna do? How are they gonna handle it? How do you explain it to the kids? I don't know. Scary, scary times. Next week or this week rather on VOD. Let's see. We have It Takes From Within. So this is on the 16th. It Takes From Within. What the hell is that? Uh, for me, it's showing 2014. Movie from 2014. I don't know if that's true. It's probably just coming out now. <clears throat> yeah, I think you're uh... The Devout. Uh, Destined. Butcher the Bakers. That's a horror movie. And The Relation Trip. Ooh, the Relation it. Trip. It's about two two <laughs> friends that that rail against relationships and they go on a road trip together and guess what happens? They fall in love. That's right. Holy the, the interesting thing about this one sounds really generic and whatever, but if you watch the trailer, things get really strange looking in this movie there's like there's like puppets and really weird kind of surreal stuff that begins to happen okay so i don't know that might be worth a look and then on the 19th we have the open house this is a netflix movie it's a horror movie i'll probably give it a look looks like it could be decent mom and dad definitely check that out we got the final year Delirium. It's another horror movie. Dance, baby, dance. Um, and that's it for VOD. Blu-ray this week. 
We got Blade Runner 2049. I bet that looks awesome on 4K. I'd like to see that in 4K. I would imagine it probably does. Don't have a 4K TV yet, unfortunately. Got matinee from... I don't even... It's funny, we were just talking about that last... I I don't even think we ever got to like 10 (laughs) (laughs) feet. Like, so far behind. Well, depending on the size of your screen, it actually, the difference between 720 and 1080 only really matters for larger screens. Yeah, which is the the reasoning that I didn't go for the 1080p. And back when I bought that TV, you know, I think that was like, it just, it was, it was too much to go that, that big. I didn't need it. It seemed unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's done its job for 12 years. <laughs> 12 years? Uh, time for a new TV, my friend. <laughs> One of these days, maybe. We'll see. Uh, we've got Matinee from 1993. This is the John Goodman film. I love this movie. It's got a really awesome cover, too. Joe Dante. I remember you talking about this one. Yeah, I love this movie. Uh, Happy Death Day comes out. We got the snowman. Yes. Everybody talking about the snowman. I can't wait to watch this. It's definitely one that people love to hate, especially in our Slack. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. We got here. Mm, Beyond Skyline. I don't know if I talked about this one on the show, but this was actually pretty decent. It's pretty fun. Uh, had the the raid, the eco waste, and uh, the other guy from the raid in it. I think you did talk about fighting it. A- now that you say that, fighting aliens, kicking some alien ass. Yeah. It's pretty fun. We got Gangsterland. Uh, looks like a kind of generic mobster movie. And oh, Cookoff comes out finally. Hell yeah. Love me some cookout, cook off. I mean, cookout. I do love cookouts, actually. I'm a big fan. I like any iteration of cooking cook offs, cookouts. You love them all? Cook ins. All of them. Every single one. If cooking's involved, count me in. Hmm. Cool. Good to know. And then finally, I have uh, almost friends here. So close. Yeah. So close. Not even friend zoned. Oh, that movie Kills on Wheels also comes out about the <laughs> yes. wheelchair assassin. I have to see that, and Ryan has to see that, and we have to do that on Ryan Watches a movie. You're damn right. We'll we'll make that happen. We'll this this week, instead of doing oh shit, I'm going to Utah this week. We'll have to figure that out. Um the uh we'll we'll temporarily put our national day thing on hold so that Ryan can do kills on wheels. We could just make up that it's like national, but I don't think any these actual, like, do you think people double check to make sure these national days exist? I don't think anyone's fact checking that. Probably not. <laughs> you just say it's national wheelchair, <laughs> national wheelchair assassin. I'm sure there is one. Yeah. It just might not be in January. Right. What do we have on the Criterion front this week? Uh, we have one, and that's a uh, 
a modern release on the Criterion, and that's uh, Ken Loach's I, Daniel Blake. Yeah, I wanted to see this one. Criterion treatment. I know I've been wanting to see this one for, for a while now, too. I'm still going to put it off. I'm going to procrastinate watching this one for, I'm going to guess, about three years. <laughs> I can't see myself watching it anytime soon, either. I know, but like, let's just be honest. I want to see it, but i just looking at it, and I'm reading about it, and it's just not high on the list. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a great movie, but... Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. I, feel I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. We have a minute. Take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Agatha Christie one one with oh, come on what the fuck hold on please keep that in hello a shower problem um I d- I, I don't I don't think so I'm I'm not available right now anyway ah okay all right yep no problem. All right. Just keep that in. Because <laughs> just let me. Uh...